blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Hello everyone, I'm Marcus Staples and this is Unpacking the Theology, the show that unpacks the reason behind the rhyme in Christian hip-hop. This is episode 5 of 6 of our Easter episodes, and this week I want to pose the question, have you ever wondered about the Passover? Does the story of the Passover have anything to do with the New Testament or with life today? Well, we're going to answer that today, as we unpack Hazakim's track, Passover Lamb from their album Theophanies put out by Lamp Mode Recordings. Now I know we've seen a lot of Hazakim lately, but, well, when you're good, you're good. And I promise you that you'll understand why by the end of this episode. Also, remind me not to do tracks with so many lyrics. Man, Hazakim has a lot of lyrics in their tracks. Twice as much as the first song I transcribed. Anyway, on to today's episode. Our text, which was read at the beginning of the track at the beginning of this episode, comes out of Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. It reads, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am Yahweh. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That's going to be what forms a basis for today's episode. See, the more I listen to this track, the more I like it. Because it tells a story from two different perspectives. Actually, it tells two stories from two different perspectives. And both stories depict a pattern that's constantly seen throughout the Bible. That pattern is Old Testament type and shadow, and New Testament fulfillment and purpose. You'll see what I mean as we go on. The first two verses are from a pre-Passover perspective of an Israelite, one from a non-believer and one from a believer. See, the non-believer refuses to put blood on his doorpost. Uh, Therefore, he's refusing to put faith in what God has promised will be his deliverance. He's showing a complete lack of faith in God for the redemption from the coming judgment. That would be the death of the firstborn in each household. Instead, he's trusting simply because he's a Hebrew and the other plagues passed over him because he was a Hebrew that he would be exempt from what's about to happen. On the other hand, we have the believer. The believer carefully weighs the edicts that were given him by Moses, and he complies with them. This act shows he trusts God for his deliverance of of what's to come. He has complete faith and trust in the means by which God has given his people to save them from the coming wrath. Now the second two verses are from a post-resurrection standpoint, that is, after Christ rose from the dead. And again, it's from the same two perspectives, one of a non-believer and one of a believer. Both perspectives are from someone who's most likely Jewish in culture, Uh, When you listen to the track, you'll understand why I say that. 
which makes complete sense seeing as in the brothers of Hazakim are both messianics. A non-believer appears to believe that Christ was a real figure and a real person, but they seem to also be denying his deity. However, Jesus, as he's represented in our scriptures, doesn't meet his expectations of what the Messiah is supposed to be. This is important when we think about subjectivity versus objectivity. In this case, the person in the verse is being subjective in their nature, instead of objectively weighing the facts. In the end, he'll rely on his own righteousness and his own works to save him from God's wrath. On the other hand, we have the believer. He starts explaining his reservations about the Messiah at first, but then tells how he decided to search scripture and dig deep and take it for what it is objectively. It then continues with the revelation of Jesus and his deity and his Christhood. After that, he pieces together what he knew about the Passover with Jesus Christ. For this, we're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. And here, Paul says, Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been crucified. Paul right there is drawing a direct line to the Passover from the Old Testament to Christ, showing that Christ was a foreshadow. Lastly, our man in this verse puts his faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, just as the Hebrew put his faith in the sacrifice of the lamb on the Passover to save him from God's judgment and wrath, so does our character here. Instead of the wrath being the death of the firstborn in this case, the wrath is God's judgment on the last day. Now there's also a subtle hook to this track. Well, there's actually two, and the way this track rolls out, it's kind of hard to pick up on. But I'll point it out, because I want you to hear the direct difference between the two. The first goes... In the darkness of the night when the Lord came down, he brought death to the house where the blood wasn't found. But the man who believed he was blessed indeed, because unto him was granted life to the firstborn seed. Since then, Pharaoh's power has come to an end, yet mankind is still a slave to sin. But there's an exodus to the promised land, and again God has provided a Passover lamb. This comes right after our first two verses talking about the Passover. Now the second hook is similar. And if we put the two together, it definitely draws a huge parallel to the Passover. It goes, at the end of the age, when the Lord comes down, he'll bring death to the man on whom the blood isn't found. But to the man who believes will be blessed indeed, because unto him is granted life for eternity. Pharaoh's power has come to an end, yet mankind is still a slave to sin. But there's an exodus to the promised land. So where do you stand with the Passover lamb? So you see that in the Old Testament, the Passover was a type and shadow of what was to come in Jesus Christ. And when Christ came and died on the cross, he fulfilled the Passover that was a foreshadow of what was to come. Now, hearing that all together, I bet you you can see how this track, even though it doesn't necessarily talk specifically about the events of Holy Week, it's still very, very vital to Easter and to knowing what the cross meant. So, where do you stand? Do you stand with those who trust themselves, who trust in their own righteousness? Or do you stand with those who trust Christ, the sacrificial lamb, for their forgiveness of their sins? One end in judgment, the other ends in the promised land. I implore you, 
trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Because man's righteousness, your own good works, your own nobility, the family you were born into won't save you. Only faith and trust in the blood, just as those Israelites learned many thousands of years ago that it was the blood and the promise of God that would save them. That wraps up this episode. You can find a link to purchase this album on our website, unpackingthetheology.wordpress.com. If you have any songs you would like us to unpack, please leave a note in the comment section. Or you can use the link on our page to find us on Google+. We hope you can join us for our next impact. Thank you, and God bless. Behold the Lamb of God. At the end of the age, when the Lord comes down, he'll bring death to the man on whom the blood isn't found. But the man who believes will be blessed indeed, because unto him is granted life for eternity. Pharaoh's power has come to an end, yet mankind is still a slave to sin. But there's an exodus to the promised land, so where do you stand with the Passover lamb?